welcome to Center Point. My name is Aaron DeMaster. I'm the pastor here. What you're in for is a one-hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. Our goal here is to do what any good Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a worshipful way and then help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style just may be a bit different than what you're used to, but we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously, and we want to help you take your next step each week you're here. I'm going to be honest with you, though. This week... It's just straight up weird. It's just straight up weird here. It's different than any other service we've ever done here. If you've been around uh, Center Point for a while, something weird, what's new, right? Like it seems like every week. Um, but maybe that's exciting to you, so yay. Uh, but everything I said in the beginning is still true today, even with it being weird. We want to help you take your next step in your relationship with God. And today can happen in a number of different ways. Today we're going to actually let you observe in on a center point life group uh, and kind of observe and see it happen in action without actually having to show up to one. That's pretty awesome, right? You just get to observe. So if this is totally not your thing, no worries. It's one Sunday, and you'll honestly, you're going to get some really deep teaching from the book of James uh, that will help you take the, your next step in your faith. But if you're curious about a life group, a life group is a small group of people, maybe 8 to 15 people, of normal-ish. I throw the ish out there because, like, honestly, who's normal these days, right? Like, who really is normal? Uh, I don't even know. But, <laughs> uh, nor but normal-ish people get together. It's everyday people who want to have a deeper relationship with God, who want to have friendships with others as well, and they're willing to sacrifice a little bit of their time and a little bit of courage to put themselves in a group with strangers. Life groups, they meet about once a week. Uh, they study for an hour or two and are at maybe people's homes or at the museum here or even online, some of them. Some have childcare even. Some do not. Some just let kids run around. Uh, and they start at the end of September. What life groups are not, they're not groups of expert Bible readers. They're not people who have it all figured out. They're not a, a boring lecture or a frustrating group project that you're working on. It's none of those things. In the past, uh, here at Centerpoint, we've called them community groups. Other churches maybe have used life churches before or Bible studies or growth groups. Um, but from here and now on at Centerpoint, we're calling them life groups because we want them to be groups of people you do life with. So you actually get to observe my group today, the group I've gotten to know over the past couple of weeks, or a couple of months actually, not weeks. Um, and as I said before, life groups, they take place in people's homes along with some here at church. So I, th I thought I'd set the scene for you as if we're like in my living room, like we're hanging out just together, you know, just no big deal. Uh, everyone's sitting around on couches. Whoa, that's getting a little personal. Okay, so maybe not that picture isn't the one. Maybe it's something a little bit more... More ominous, I promise it's not that weird when you come to my house. But anyways, uh, as the group goes today, you're going to get to see some video teaching, uh, what we do in most of our groups here at Centerpoint. And it's actually an eight-minute video that we're going to watch. I think it's probably the shortest sermon ever done here on a Sunday. So yay, some of you are like, awesome, I like the sound of that. Uh, but then I'm going to have the people in my life group actually up on stage with me, and we're going to discuss what we just saw unscripted, just like an, uh, a life group would do during the week that meets. Before we even dive into that, though, I want to speak to the person who maybe is out there right now and thinks, this could never be for them. No way. There's no way I'm getting into a life group. Uh, because I can fully relate to that. 
uh, and explain the style of our life groups and where it came from to help you maybe feel a little bit more comfortable with it. Uh, if you've gotten to know me over the past couple of months here at Center Point as, as a pastor, by the way, in two weeks, it's our one-year anniversary. Woo! That's awesome. We're going to have a celebration for that, too. Um, but if you know me, I like to do things real and as true to the Bible as possible while also having a good time. Uh, as a Christian, uh, that, uh, as someone that's been a Christian for a lot of years, I've been in a number of different like community groups, life groups, Bible studies, whatever. I love some things, and I hated some things in different groups. There are some things I remember, like when I, start, uh, when I started my first Bible study, uh, I was a fairly new Christian, I was in college with my buddies, and I wanted it to not be weird. That was the goal. I didn't want it to be weird. So I didn't call it any of the names I called it before. I called it More Than Halo Group. Like Halo the video game, like all my buddies and I, we played Halo, and I'd be like, this is a more than Halo group. Hey, are we calling them more than Halo tonight? Yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. So that's what I called it with them, and they were into it. And then at that time, I, I told them some specifics about the group. Uh, I said, we ain't holding hands to pray in this group. Now, some of you are totally okay with that. It just wasn't my style at the time. I'm just telling you right now, we're not holding hands in this group to pray. I also said, since I don't really know where the book of the Bibles are, we're just going to use page numbers for this group. We're just going to announce page numbers. Uh, I also was up front and I said, I have zero idea how to pronounce certain cities and names in the Bible. So whenever I say something, unless someone knows it, we're just going to do like this. Yep, you got it. Right on the head. I also confess, I didn't know much. I was a new Christian at the time. But I wanted to be in a group of people who were real, relatable, and would help me grow in my relationship with God. And it was awesome, and we grew together. And eventually it changed up, and we said the books of the Bible, and we, we grew and got better. But uh, those were some of the staples in our first group. Now, although these maybe seem silly or, or kind of weird right now, they are things still to this day, I want to make sure that our life groups are all about and help people feel comfortable uh, when they're in a group. Because our life groups, they're for real people. They're for people who maybe like know a ton about the Bible or people who maybe know very little about the Bible, but both are willing to learn from each other. That's the necessary aspect of it. They are for people who are willing to reflect on their 20th mistake of that week or 200th or 2,000th mistake of that week, and they're willing to reflect together. They're for people who are willing to take a risk to grow with others. Life groups, they can be a place that all can feel welcome, all can grow, and that is fully the case here at Centerpoint. Take it from me, uh, you'll see at the end, like some of the leaders that are leading groups this year. Uh, I didn't let anybody lead a group that I don't think could do this. So trust me, when you hop into a group, you're going to be totally comfortable. Uh, and they probably will, uh, they'll probably do it even better than I did. They probably won't call it more than Halo like I did, but they'll do an awesome job. And you're going to get a chance to see some of those groups. But when I look to the Bible... There are numerous examples of life group type situations without the term life group. But the, the core to what a group should do is I think clearly written in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. It says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When I read this, I think of life groups. I think of it being something that fires you up to love and live like Jesus, to encourage each other. So that's what I hope you're going to see in our sample life group on stage today that you get to be a part of and just observe. So we're going to get started with it. 
how a normal life group starts is you show up to the place, right? And small talk happens, right? Natural small talk where there's maybe some snacks around. So we're going to pretend like that's what we're doing if you want. You can grab a donut or a coffee out there. But then like what I would say is like, how are you doing? What you just did is exactly what happens in the beginning of a life group. Super awkward. It's always awkward. You're like, what is going on? Like, who's going to talk? What? It's super awkward in the beginning. So we got past that. We can move on now. Uh, and then I or the leader would pass out some questions, some questions for you to, that we're going to kind of study with our video. So I'm going to actually have the host. They're going to pass those out right now. These are simply for you to have in your hand the, sh the shuffle when you get nervous, like in groups sometimes, so you have something in front of you. For real, though, it's so that you can expect to know what we're going to talk about for that time. You don't have to do anything with them. You don't even have to, like, write anything down. It's just for you to help you process. But after the questions are out and the small talk is over, what we'll do next is we watch a video. Then after the, we watch the video, I'll invite my life group up on stage and we'll discuss. I see some people out there right now with some panicked faces like, am I in that life group? Am I supposed to be up on stage? If I didn't talk to you ahead of time, you do not need to come up on stage, all right? So you get to sit back and hang out and just observe. Uh, so what, I want, what we're going to do now is we're going to watch this eight-minute video uh, from a series called James. It's the first study of it. And this guy who actually is leading it is the one that's going to lead our study that's starting this fall. So check it out, and then we'll go from there. I have the honor of walking with you through the book of James, um, an amazing, amazing book of the Bible. It's about true faith. And I think part of uh, what makes it so amazing is who James is writing to. You see it right there in that first verse, the 12 tribes in the dispersion. You can read about that in Acts chapter 8. It's, it's when the persecution got so great there in Jerusalem that these people just had to run for their lives and now they're just dispersed everywhere. And James is writing them, encouraging them and reminding, look, this is about true faith. This is about something that's worth dying for. And so the first thing he talks to them is about these trials, about all these different things that are happening in their lives. And he says a very interesting thing. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So he's saying, count it all joy. Okay, all this stuff that's going on, count it all joy, even though you're surrounded by all these different trials, because he says, you know what? It's actually this testing of your faith that creates a perseverance in you. It's, it's making you stronger, more steadfast. And he says, let perseverance have its perfect work in you so you become mature and complete, not lacking in anything. He says, these trials that you're going through, this isn't a waste. This isn't even a coincidence. This is something God wants to use in your life. And that's so good for us to hear today, whatever we're going through. I mean, most likely what we're facing today doesn't compare to what they were facing back then consider it all joy because it's the testing of your faith and it is going to make you stronger and this this term for testing is an interesting word because it's it's a term that the silversmiths would use back then where they would test silver 
And the way they would test silver is they'd put a bunch in a pot and they would, uh, they would heat it up with this fire. And what happens is at a certain temperature, all of the impurities, the dross they would call, would rise to the surface and the silversmith would, 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 would just kind of scoop that top layer off and then he would heat the silver up again and he would do this over and over again until the silver was tested or pure. And the way he knew that the silver was actually tested was he would look down and he could see his own reflection in the silver. And, and I just find that such a beautiful picture because the idea of these trials in our lives, he says, is God testing you purifying you and as you go through them the idea is one day he could look down and see his own reflection like like you're becoming more and more like him that's the idea of being mature and complete not lacking in anything that's God's goal for me that's God's goal for you is he wants me to be a reflection of him he wants to use the trials in my life so that i persevere through them and i rid myself of those impurities just like jesus was suffering i become more and more like him in that suffering and so often we don't think about that and so often in the christian life it's just built as oh follow jesus he'll make everything wonderful he'll take away all your pain he'll make you rich it, you know it's like no what god wants to do is not just make you happy he wants to make you holy he wants you to be a reflection of him and it's the trials it's the sufferings that make us more and more like christ have you ever thought of that as the goal of your life say, God, I want to be just like Jesus at the end of my life. And so whatever trials it takes, give it to me because I want to become more and more like him. Someone explained to me like this, it's almost like when you bake a cake, all the different ingredients that you put in like eggs and flour and butter and just all this gross stuff, you, you don't really taste each of those individually it's about mixing them all together and and putting them in the oven and out comes this end product see that's god's desire for us so often we don't think about this we don't think about the end result but he says i want you to be mature complete lacking in nothing at the end of your lives and and so sometimes these ingredients that he puts in may they may not taste that great to us he's like no let it do its work it's, it's building character in you. It's making you stronger, and it's going to make you more like Christ. In verse 5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. He's saying if you don't have the wisdom to understand that these trials are actually for your benefit, and they can actually be a good thing, then pray and ask God. He'll give you. He'll give you the wisdom that you're asking for. He'll give it to you generously. But in the next verse, he says, but if you pray, don't doubt. He says, if, you're, if you doubt, he goes, you're, you're like a double-minded man. You're, you're like a, a wave of the sea just blown and tossed by the wind. But instead, you have to pray in faith. And then he, he continues just talking about how the suffering can be a good thing. In fact, sometimes the riches are the things that are unstable. It's like, man, when, when life is so easy and so good, recognize that that may not be the best situation for you because they're like flowers that could be here one day and it just withers and it's gone the next. And then I, I love how he closes it in verse 12. He says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. 
He says, blessed is the man who perseveres. You make it through these difficult times. And remember who he's writing to. He goes, get through this. He goes, because if you can persevere through this testing, okay, if you get through this test, he says, you'll receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. It's interesting that he would use that phrase, love him. Those who make it through the test, he says, are those who actually love him. It's easy to love God if he just gives you everything that makes you feel so good and makes your life so comfortable. But what about when he says, you know, I want to put trials in your life because it's going to produce this character in you. And you're not down on that earth just to have a good time and just to be free from pain. So persevere through those trials. Allow God to use them to purify you. He says, because when you've made it through, you'll receive the crown of life or the crown which is life that God's promised. It's talking about that eternal life where there'll be a place where all this pain will be gone. But for now, we persevere. All right, so I'm going to invite, actually, my life group on up. So who wants to come on up with them? Just kidding. Just kidding. I thought that would be a funny joke to kind of make it a little bit easy on you. Um, awesome. Wait, where do I get to sit? This is what happens when I have a life group that takes my spot. Oh, I get the stool. Sit on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for the sake of time, we're going to kind of like dive right into it. But I'm going to read the scripture that this study is from. Uh, and it's from uh, James chapter 1. Uh, I believe it's verses 1 through 12. So I'm going to read it for you. Uh, and then we'll kind of go through some of the questions as if we're like there's no one watching as if we're just hanging out. Sound good? All right, awesome, awesome. Like, no one's watching, right? No, not a big deal at all. It's totally fine. All right, so this is James 1, uh, verses 1 through 12. It says this. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of Lord Jesus. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings, he says. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them, and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. 
All right, this question's actually not on the list, so I'm going to Anything like, uh, anything that sticks out to you, like from that video that you were like, oh, that really hit home, or that was really interesting, or I liked that, or I totally disagreed with that. Anything that you were like, that was awesome. I think it's hard. It says, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That's hard to do. Like, woohoo, that sucks. <laughs> great. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for yep. this opportunity to grow. Yeah, exactly. Who exactly. says that? Yeah. James. constantly going through trials and, and working through everything and as we do we're being tested and I hadn't thought of the word tested that way before um, and to be a reflection of God yeah and to reflect God seeing his reflection being us that, that's so powerful yeah anything else I've watched this video like I think three times four times now and like I get something different each time, but the one that I like really picked up on this time is he was talking about baking the cake, right? And like there's all these different ingredients. Like who eats raw eggs? No. Some people, I guess. So, <laughs> I can see you doing that. No, this <laughs> one. Oh, oh. No, really? you've yeah. done it. You've done it. I've watched. Fast up over there. Maybe you don't. Remember. All right, but like baking a well, you know a cake, and it's like you don't eat the ingredients separately, but like it's part of what makes something. You know, and it's the same thing with God. When we go through trials, it's like making something beautiful. So I thought that was really good. All right. Now back to, back to the question. Sorry, a little tangent there. Um, are you ever impatient? When? Never. <laughs> All right. All well, right. The, the first thing that came to mind for me was traffic. But then Jen and I were talking, and I would say when I order my food at the restaurant, and you're hungry, and sitting there waiting, and they don't bring your salad, there's no bread, the baby in me comes out, and I, I definitely get impatient yep. waiting for watching my waiter walk away, waiting for my food. Yep. <laughs> I can relate to that. I think for me, anytime I have to wait longer than I feel like I should be waiting, whether it's at a restaurant, in traffic, or just for something to happen, I want things instantly. Yeah. I think in life, for me, it's like at times when I like really want something to come to completion, or it's finally I get impatient about waiting for that you know like it's like I just want it to be three weeks from now you know like I don't want to go through these next three weeks and I just start to you know feel it inside how about this one do you ever lack perseverance we're getting a little vulnerable up on stage no one's watching it's just us this one's hard for me I feel like distinguishing and having that discernment of knowing like when God's closed the door or when it's just not for you anymore and how to know when to stop and is that lacking perseverance or is that being a quitter? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It happens to me some, sometimes in relationships, whether it be friends or family, that uh, I'm not really happy with what they're doing in their lives and, and I probably give up on them way too early. And so that's, that's something I got to work on. 
I think for me it's in parenting. It can be really hard at the end of a long day to come home to a screaming one-year-old and then to continue to love that screaming one-year-old and not put her to bed two hours early. <laughs> it's like having that patience and that perseverance to um, just continue being a good parent. Yeah. All right, let's go to the next question. Uh, according to James 1, 2, and the following verses that we kind of just read, how should we react when times get tough? Why? What is the end result of this testing? I, I feel like this one seems so unrealistic in my own life at times, because in times of trial, it says to be patient and wait. And, and those times are good, but uh, be honest, it's, it's, it's usually not good. It's usually tough. And so um, how are we supposed to react? They, talking about being impatient. Uh, I think in times of trouble, in times of trial, I get extremely impatient. Um, is so hard. I mean, that's why we're reminded to do it in the scripture, but being patient, steadfast, and um, sticking to the course. I mean, it's tough, especially when times are not the easiest. The end result of the testing is increased faith. Right? Exactly, yeah. Be having the patience to get through it and constantly reminding yourself that And sometimes he uses to draw closer to him, right? Like, I mean, if you're going through an issue, it's like you're in more constant communication, right? You're in prayer. It's, it's constant in your mind. Yep. So you're constantly communicating with him more. So that's drawing you closer to him. And that's what he wanted from the get-go. So maybe you should just do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you ever? Just do that. The end. When you're... I figured it out. <laughs> when you're ever, like, going that like are you ever like failing at that you know like of what it says finding joy in the testing are you ever like that's this is horrible you know and going down a path of that I think I was just thinking about worship and how we were singing like you're a good good father and when you're going through those trials sometimes I I'm like but this doesn't feel good God when we're going through a trial um, but to remember that the outcome is good not God's goodness isn't good and I think it's about repetition. I mean, look at when we first walked up here, how awkward and weird everything was. But as you do it and as you get better, you become more comfortable and it becomes natural. And that's why this journey that we're on is called a walk. You know, walk with the Lord because you gotta, you walk, you don't run, you don't sprint right off the bat. You, you get better as you do it over time. And man, I, I fall on my face all the time with this stuff, just like I said, because of being impatient. But the more you do it, the more it becomes habit, the more it becomes pattern, and then it just becomes a part of what we do every single day, which that's probably the biggest challenge for yeah. me. Wow, look at them. Look at them well just like crushing it over there. <laughs> nice. A plus for you today. <laughs> How about this one? Uh, do you ever catch yourself thinking God is supposed to make you only happy? Is that the wrong idea? Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I have struggled with this one for long time or for all my life I think a lot of us probably do as you're coming away from something big maybe it's a new new well, new babies kind of laugh that that joy lasts new and it lasts for a little while because <laughs> you're dealing with that but maybe you just got married or you, maybe you just got a new job or whatever and you're always looking for that next best thing or maybe you got a promotion I you know you get 
so excited looking for that and you think that's going to make you happy or a new financial place in life, whatever it is, a new car. But it doesn't always, you know, the next day you're going, looking for that next thing and it's, I'm trying, I try, perhaps been working on it for a while, to not look at that, those things, but look at where's the joy really, could it come from or should it come from? That's your job. When I think as I reflect on this question, um, a lot of times like my prayers are, God, please let this happen. And like I have a specific outcome that I want that will make me happy. Please heal this person or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but as you said a couple weeks ago, um, we're not supposed to pray for our wants and our needs. Like, yeah, we can pray for our needs, but we should ultimately pray for um, aligning with God's will. So it's not, I want this to happen. It's I want what is supposed to happen to happen. I want your will to happen. So changing your perspective on that, um, that it's not about making you happy. It's about aligning with his will and what is ultimately supposed to happen. Yeah. All right, we're going to skip the next question just for the sake of time. Uh, but I want to ask the question, like, if you made it a goal to grow in holiness, even if it meant suffering, how would that change your life? Pretty awkward silence. Go ahead. I think when we're suffering in life, it it's hard to see the outcome as being positive because it's hurtful. It's you're you're crying, you're emotional, whatever you're going through during that time, but. When you get past it, that's when you feel closer to God because you knew you did all the right things. And it's that calm and the peace. So going through it sucks. <laughs> it's hard. But then it's really great. And that's when you know you did the right thing. When you and I, we tend to be big picture people. Like we kinda, It's easier for us to see the goal at the end. Some people, it's, it's tough. So even like being a partner of like, hey, get through this. You're almost through it. The end's there. The light's at the end of the tunnel everyone's kind of different in that and I know you and I like kind of think the same way but other people uh, maybe are like I don't see a light at this tunnel you know but it's there yeah <laughs> how, how about this one can you give an example of maybe how God is testing you right now can I talk again sure. I have a really good one <laughs> um, so I do a lot of volunteering in a very Christian not here in a Christian area, and for months it was going on where somebody specifically in our community was gossiping about me, and every time I confronted, it was confronted in my face, I would come home and say to Rick, okay, she's a Christian woman, there's no way this would be coming out of her mouth, and I said it for months and months, and finally I'm like, oh my gosh, she cannot be a Christian, she has to have Satan on her back, and I had to convince myself that that I had to walk away from it. I couldn't talk about it. Rick was the only person that ever heard anything that was going on with me. And then we prayed and prayed and prayed and it was just like, it was just lifted and it, and it was taken care of and it was gone. Yeah. And it was just one of the most amazing things when it was just finally gone. Yeah. That's awesome though. It was just absolutely beautiful when that time happened, but for months it was not so, not so nice. It's a challenge here through times that feels like you're being attacked in a sense. Yep. Yeah. Anybody else? I think right now um, I am a teacher, so I'm just going back to school, but I taught virtually last year, um, which was different because I got to teach from home. 
and spend way more time with my little daughter and I loved it and now I have to go back to the classroom where there's no flexibility and a lot of structure and um, it's been really challenging and I've always had the sense of like I'm supposed to be a teacher, I'm supposed to be a teacher and I kind of lost that over this last year um, with our daughter and stuff and so then now it's like what is my purpose? Am I supposed to keep teaching? Am I maybe supposed to keep teaching in the classroom, not in the classroom? Am I supposed to be at home more, a totally different job? I don't know, it's like a lot of, I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, so that's kind of my hard one. Test, I guess. How about this last question? This week, what can you do to remind yourself to endure through testing that will make you more holy? I think I like the idea of just remembering to pray that will be done. It's unnatural, so I think it has to be a daily reminder for myself. I mean, I don't just wake up and ooze holiness, and it, 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 it's tough. I mean, holiness is being more like Christ, and so what can I do? It has to be a, it has to be a daily reminder, and probably hourly in some, some situations. I mean, it's all subjective and situational, but um, if we don't remind ourselves, we can quickly go back into the things of this world, and like I said, it's different for every person. But for me, it's got to be a daily reminder, maybe first thing before my feet hit the floor. Um, I bookmark this scripture, maybe go back to it throughout the week. Yeah. Uh, like I said, just to create a, a habit, something that I do That's good. Just, just naturally. It's not a force. It's something that I naturally do. Yeah. I think it's important, too, to have, like, a, a friend or maybe a spouse or somebody that can kind of keep you accountable because it's really easy to throw a pity party for yourself and then to have other people join in like yeah that's terrible that's really awful and then you're like yeah it is really awful and then it just makes you feel worse you know and so like having um another christian that you can go to and say like this re is really tough right now and having them you know kind of help you focus on that bigger picture um if some of us struggle with it more than <laughs> others but kind of saying like okay you're gonna get through it and you know god god's will is ultimately going to be done you're going to be that purified process or whatever. Awesome, awesome. Aaron, just to add, um, kind of going off of what Brandon said, one of the reasons we are in life group is because it's another time to sit down, to process, to get some education on the Bible, and almost always it is so applicable to our lives that day even, you know, not just yeah. the week, not just the month. So, a shameless plug for joining a life group. Yeah, well, I have, like, one last question, which, like, this isn't on the list either. But I did forewarn you on this one. Would you recommend getting in a community group or a life group and why? Uh, and I also told you, if you wouldn't recommend it, don't come up on stage either. Um, so <laughs> but would you recommend a life group? Uh, let's take 30 seconds here on this one. So, echoing off of what Rick was saying, for, for us, because this really is our group. These are our friends. Um, we see them outside of church. We are accountable to each other. I feel that any person sitting in our group today would call me out on the carpet if I weren't a Christian. So it's one thing to come to church and you're around your church people and you know you have to be good for this hour, um, put on your smiley face, whatever, and it's okay to say, you know, I'm having a really junky day today. It, it's okay to be that way. But And we are with each other and I love that, that any person here would call me out if I weren't being a good person, and I like that. Definitely, I agree with all of that. And um, 
can't tell you how many times that I get at the end of the day, usually we do an evening group, and I'm like, I just, I can't, I, I don't even want to go. But you, you know, I agree with what everything you're saying is we hold each other accountable, but then you leave that group and I just feel energized and renewed and it's really awesome for me to respond. Awesome. As a new person, it's good to meet new people, yes. you know, and you get to develop those relationships so it's like a familiar face, right? Like, hey, yep. yeah, I know you. I know you. <laughs> I met you. Yeah. So you feel a little bit more comfortable even at church, yeah. you know, it's someone that you can talk to. That's awesome. And relate to. Also, it's really good that we pray for one another. So then I feel like uplifted by those prayers. It's like, oh, hey, can you pray for me this week about that? And so you know that you got your, you got your tribe, you got yeah. your people. All right, let's give all of them a round of applause for being vulnerable on stage. I'm going to have you guys shuffle on off. Um, but thank you. All right, before I have the band uh, come back up here in just a little bit here, in a few minutes, um, first off, I hope that this has been helpful for you to kind of like have an inner glance of what a life group really is like. Um, and recently, uh, as I've been thinking about like why I think life groups are so important, it's come to me as I've been thinking about uh, getting back to the gym. Uh, I've recently started going back to the YMCA, the gym, and working out. And uh, no, I'm not trying to brag about the fact that I'm going to the YMCA and working out. Um, I'm actually embarrassed that I haven't been for like a year. It's been ridiculous. And maybe I'm telling you right now for accountability, because I want you to be like, Aaron, you're still looking scrawny after six months of going to the gym. So anyways, uh, I'm not bragging about it, but, but my hesitancy to go to the gym for this long, it got me thinking about life groups. Just like many of us would say, being fit or being healthy is something we desire. I think many of us would say we want to have like a fit faith or one that's growing and is healthy. Uh, that's something we desire as well. Sunday services, I see as kind of like it's your pep talk, right? It's your, it's your time of worship and time with God before you go into your week to live for God. Life groups are the time where you're in the gym training. You're training. And when you aren't in the gym training regularly, you're kind of missing out on stuff. You're missing out on a lot. Just, just think of it yourself, like for working out. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Uh, these were things for me recently, but I'm guessing you can relate to these too when I started going back to the gym. Uh, for me, uh, since I didn't go to the gym for like a year, I had a lot of unhealthier habits creep in as well. I was drinking more, lack of water, diet, frustration. Uh, I tend to re struggle to recover from illness or body aches or just like tough times uh, quicker because I'm not as healthy. Uh, I'm not held accountable by my teammates or friends at the gym because they kind of just knew I wasn't coming. I wasn't going to show up. Uh, I'm not being pushed or sharpened by my peers. And then once I'm out of routine of ever going, it's so hard to get back into it. So much so, again, like, I just started lifting again, so I know exactly what it's like at the Y. But, like, when I walked in, I'm nervous about people judging me about the lifts I'm doing or how fast I'm going on the treadmill. I'm nervous about people are judging me on how I use the machine. I'm thinking like, oh, they're not liking my form right now. You know, I'm looking around. I'm self-conscious about what weight I have on the bench press, and I'm like looking around like, is anybody judging right now? Like, whoa, he doesn't have that much on there. What's going on with him? I feel like I just don't know things, and I feel like an idiot at times. I feel like I can't connect with others that are in the gym because I've been so disconnected that I'm, like, on Snapchat or on my phone, and that's just, like, a whole, like, 
bad thing to do while you're in the gym and people are like, what is this guy doing? And I feel like I'm just not doing anything right because I'm out of sync. These are all things I think of when it comes to life groups too. And I want to assure you, these things are in your head when it comes to life groups. None of our groups have judgment on where you're at in your faith or what you've done in your past as we've all been there and we all have to get back to it. At some point, we all have to start somewhere, right? But when you commit to going to a group or commit to having your faith grow with a group, you start to desire healthier God-honoring habits in your life. You, you get through pain and tough times in your life quicker and easier because you have a better prayer life, you have a better faith outlook, and you have people there with you. You're part of a team, a friendship, a group with a common mission instead of just a schedule or social media. You're held accountable by teammates to grow in your faith and to live it out and make better decisions. You're sharpened by your peers to be better, better than you've ever imagined. With all that said, if you want your faith to get fit, to grow, to be sharpened, get in a life group. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, get in a life group. If you're sick of not having meaningful relationships with other people or other couples, get in a life group. There's nothing more strongly I can recommend than being in one on, up here on stage. If you don't like want to do a group after today, that's totally fine. It might not be your thing. I totally understand. But as your pastor, someone you respect to listen to once a week uh, on Sundays here to help you grow in your relationship with God, I have to push you into a group. I have to because I believe in it so fully. My 10 years of ministry tells me this is one of the big things that's going to help you grow in your relationship with God. So get in a group. Get in a group if it's for you. Uh, here's, a, here's a picture of our life group leaders. Uh, they're on our website. So we have all different times, all different locations, all different like ages and life stages. So you just pick the one that works for you. Uh, it's at our website is where you can sign up. It's Centerpoint FDL if you go to the next one. And right on top the, of the bar there, you just hit groups. And you can look at and see what times, what days people have groups available. We have one almost every day of the week. So get in a group if that's fitting for you. Uh, we're starting... Uh, in about, uh, at the end of this month, end of September, and then early October. So hop into a group. Uh, you can sign up again. Uh, it'll be a five-week series is what you'd be signing up for. So five studies, and it's by the same guy who did the study, Francis Chan, but it's just a different study. It's on the book of Mark, so it's going to be awesome. So check that out uh, and see if there's a time that works for you. As we close, I'm going to pray, though, that we have... We get fit in our faith, and we're persistent in our faith, like he talked about. And God's making us holy even in our trials. I'm going to pray that I embrace that this week. If you want that too, you can pray with me right now, and then we'll talk about uh, some of the announcements at the end. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, life groups. Thanks for uh, teaching us persistency. Uh, God, I just pray that uh, you have us be persistent in our, our faith. Have us grow God, some of us right now, we're, we're saying we, we want that support. We want people. So, God, I pray that you give us that urge to, to get in a life group if that's something you really want us to do. God, I just pray that as we go forward that we have the perseverance to, to maintain the faith even when things get tough because we know it's making us holier. In your name we pray. Amen.